Okay, I'd like to do a little, <clears throat> a little survey here, show of hands survey. Uh, simple question. Uh, yeah, by a show of hands, how many of you would say that you are Seinfeld fans? Hmm, how many are not? Wow, that's interesting. It's more, uh, I mean, majority are, but there were a higher knots here than the other, the other masses. Uh, I think people either love Seinfeld or they find it annoying. Like they don't really, they just don't really like the humor. Um, I do, I'm a fan. Um, I, I didn't really watch it a whole lot when it was, when they were making them back in the, I guess late 80s and 90s, early 90s, but I, the reruns, I just eventually got hooked on them. George Costanza. I'd like to talk to you a little bit about him. He's one of the four main characters. He, uh, he's just this colossal idiot, basically. Um, he's neurotic, he's insecure, he's lazy, he's dishonest, he can't hold a job, he can't commit to anything of importance. He's just kind of a loser, really. Um, comical loser, but anyway, there was an episode, uh, and I've seen this one a million times, but I, I saw it not too long ago and it kind of stayed with me. It's called The Opposite. And um, it involves uh, George primarily, but uh, it begins with George, Jerry, and Elaine. They're sitting in the diner like they always are. And George is just lamenting his miserable life. He just totally feeling sorry for himself. And he has this moment, he kind of has this epiphany when something becomes very clear to him. So let's go to the videotape. Why did it all turn out like this for me? I had so much promise. <laughs> I was personable. I was bright. Oh, maybe not academically speaking, but I was perceptive. I always know when someone's uncomfortable at a party. Can I come over there? It all became very clear to me sitting out there today that every decision I've ever made in my entire life has been wrong. <laughs> my life is the complete opposite of everything I want it to be. Every instinct I have in every aspect of life, be it something to wear, something to eat, it's often wrong. <laughs> Tuna on toast, coleslaw, cup of coffee. Yeah. No, 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 wait a minute. I always have tuna on toast. Nothing's ever worked out for me with tuna on toast. <laughs> I want the complete opposite of tuna on toast. Chicken salad on rye. <laughs> Untoasted with a side of potato salad and a cup of tea. <laughs> well, there's no telling what can happen from this. You know, chicken salad's not the opposite of tuna. Salmon's the opposite of tuna, because salmon swim against the current, and the tuna swim with it. Good for the tuna. Uh, George, you know, that woman just looked at you. So what? What am I supposed to do? Go talk to her. Elaine, bald men with no jobs and no money who live with their parents don't approach strange women. Well, here's your chance to try the opposite. Instead of tuna salad and being intimidated by women, chicken salad and going right up to them. Yeah, I should do the opposite. I should. If every instinct you have is wrong, 
then the opposite would have to be right. <laughs> yes. I will do the opposite. I used to sit here and do nothing and regret it for the rest of the day. So now I will do the opposite and I will do something. Excuse me, uh, I couldn't help but notice that you were looking in my direction. <laughs> oh, yes, I was. You just ordered the same exact lunch as me. <laughs> my name is George. I'm unemployed and I live with my parents. I'm Victoria. Hi. <laughs> So those, those of you who don't like Seinfeld, I'm sorry to subject you to that. Um, so in that episode, he, uh, after that encounter with the woman, they, they start dating for a little while, and things go well for him. He, uh, she, she gets him a, he ends up getting a job with the New York Yankees, if you remember that. So he starts to have some success. Because he intentionally does the opposite of what his instincts tell him to do. His instincts are terrible. And I think in some respects, so are ours. Um, hopefully not in a George Costanza way, but in a faith way, in a Jesus way, in a gospel way. I think sometimes our instinct is just way off. We just don't get it right. I think our instincts are often the opposite of what God wants. Not all of us. I think there are some great exceptional people who are the exception. But I think for most of us, it's like, ugh. He says do this, and we wanna do that. God wants us doing A, B, and C, and our instinct is X, Y, and Z. I mean, look at this gospel that we just heard, these Beatitudes from the Sermon on the Mount. I mean, this is probably Jesus' greatest moment. These words are so defining. They're such a kind of a summary of, of the Christian message. It's like a blueprint. It's like an architect's plans for a great life. Jesus is saying, yeah, follow these principles, you get a great life. Embrace what I'm saying here and your life will be blessed. If you want your life to have purpose, if you want happiness, then you have to experience certain things. In fact, you even at times have to pursue certain things. What things? Well, just look at the Beatitudes. He, he says, he kind of lays them out. Persecution and poverty. He says, yeah, if you, have a, if you have some poverty in the course of your life and some persecution, that's gonna be good for you. What? Lowliness and grief, same thing. 
Like you'll be blessed if you experience sort of lowliness, if you're humbled, if you grieve. That'll be a blessing. Meekness and mercy. He says like if, if, we, if we intentionally encounter these moments or when they just come upon us, see meaning in them, see kind of purpose in them. Persecution and poverty, we don't pursue that. I mean, we, we run from that, don't we? Who would be like, okay, no, I'll, I'm gonna stay with this. I'm gonna sit with this. Lowliness and grief. I mean, don't we want the opposite of that? Who wants to grieve? Kind of anything. Who wants lowliness? I, my instinct is not to hope for poverty or grief or lowliness or persecution. My instinct is to want the opposite of those things. Like I'm George Costanza in a lot of ways when it comes to Jesus. He's saying, yeah, like pursue these things. Don't run from these things. There's good in these things. And I'm like, no, no. I mean, consider for the moment some things that we're not so good at. And we're all different, we're all good at some stuff, not good at other stuff. How about this? See, I'm not so good at forgiving people. I just have a tough time. I have a tough time letting go of hurt. Well, he says, okay, but if you wanna be happy, you better pursue forgiveness. You gotta have a forgiving heart if you want your life to be blessed. So how about, I'm not so good at losing. I hate surrendering things. I have to win. Maybe you were like that as a kid, playing ball, then maybe it shifted to you know, classroom competition, and then it became uh, you know, relationship stuff. I gotta have the best girl or boyfriend, career, like I always gotta win. I've always gotta win. And when I don't, I'm not at my best. Jesus is like, okay. But if you wanna be happy, you gotta experience loss once in a while. Not 24 seven, but you gotta know what it's like to be humbled. In order to be humble. Yeah, I'm not so good at conflict, maybe. I'm afraid to speak up at times when I know I should. Sometimes I run from communicating the truth because I know it'll be met with opposition. So I just kind of shut up. And he's like, okay, but if you want to be happy, don't flee from unpopularity. Like there's a place for being unpopular. If it's for the right reasons. I'm not so good at having a broken heart. I've been burned in the past. Or I just miss someone or some 
thing, some time. So you know what? I'm just not risking that anymore. I just avoid getting close to any of those things, certainly people, because I may be hurt if I lose them. So I'm just guarded. I put up the, the walls. And Jesus, Jesus is like, okay, I'm not gonna make you do anything, but if you wanna be happy, you gotta risk falling in love. You know, why was George Costanza such a mess? Do you remember his parents? Do you remember Frank and Estelle? They were crazier than George. They kind of made George look normal compared to them. They're the reason why George was who he was. I think Frank and Estelle screwed up George's instinct because their values were distorted. Probably because somebody before them, it's usually the way it works, right? Cyclical stuff. I think the reason very often why people's instinct is not good is because of parental influence, societal influence, parents who, and I think this is like worse now than, than I ever remember, like parents who will run interference for their kids. They'll shield their kids from any kind of struggle, any kind of hardship, any kind of suffering. They'll jump in, they'll jump in front of those bullets. And it's like, yeah, you're not serving the kid well. Because Jesus described in this, these, these Beatitudes like some struggle, some undesirable stuff in life. But he's like, you know what? Those things will become blessings if we, we allow them to. But if I never let somebody struggle, if I jump in the way of it all the time, I'm screwing up that person's instinct. Or a society is even scarier, I think, today which is kind of just saying, truth is whatever you want it to be. If it's true for me, then it's true, even though it's not. If I'm saying two plus two is nine, and if I declare that it's nine, like, it's tr that's true. No, it's not. <laughs> but our society says, well, if he wants to think it's nine, it can be nine. You know, when Jesus, I think, in these words, he talks about this tough stuff, struggle and humility and rejection and grief, I think he's kind of simply saying, hey, life is tough. It's not easy. But very often there's purpose in that which is not easy. If we work with it, we can find meaning. And ultimately, like, we kind of almost look at it like, I think this was kind of a, I can't believe I'm saying this, but I think this was kind of a blessing. I miss that person desperately. This person who was such a, like, inseparable part of your life, and they're gone. And the pain of that loss is kind of unbearable. But would the alternative be better? Like, to have not loved that person? To have not had that person in your life? You're like, no, I mean, I'm, I'm glad I had them, but it's crushing to me that I don't. I, yeah. 
But that was a blessing, that relationship. Pope Benedict, who just died, what, three weeks ago, four weeks, right, right, about a month ago. I love this quote from him. He said, the world offers you comfort, but you weren't made for comfort. You were made for greatness. I think that's another way of speaking these beatitudes. Everybody wants comfort. I mean, who doesn't? That's our screwed up instinct. We want comfort no matter what. And he's like, well, we weren't made for comfort. We were made for greatness. Nothing worthwhile in life comes without sacrifice and some challenge, right? I mean, we know that. We kind of resist it, but we know it's true. When you look at your life and you look at some of the, the crosses that came your way, it's like, yeah, I, I, I wish they hadn't happened. I wish I could have avoided them, but I think I'm a better person. It didn't kill me. It kind of, strangely enough, made me stronger. You know, today, we're, today and this week, we're celebrating uh, Catholic Schools Week. Happening all over the country, Catholic schools, just a, you know, an opportunity to celebrate and encourage and promote what Catholic schools are about and why they're important and why they're great and why we need them. You know why I think they're so important? Because they very simply offer another perspective. Catholic schools teach their kids that Jesus' way is the only way, despite what everybody around us says. Jesus' way is the only way. Like, these kind of hard to uh, agree with principles in this gospel, like, it's not up for debate. Like, it's because he said them. Hey, if I said them, disagree with me all you want. If some poet wrote about them, wrote them up, disagree with the poet. Some theologian, some saint, yeah, that's all up for debate and interpretation. But when Jesus says something, how do we say no? And it isn't just a Catholic school thing. I think what our faith formation does Kids who go to public school, hey, maybe in some respects, they need to hear this truth even more. Kids in the Catholic school kind of get it often enough. How great is that? But that's what the church should be doing everywhere it goes, to everyone it encounters. Here's another perspective, because chances are the one you're being fed is messed up. You know, there's a, in that scene, <laughs> in the diner there, Jerry says to George, if every instinct you have is wrong, then the opposite would have to be true. Well, I mean, I would hope there is no person whose every instinct is wrong. But we've all got some George Costanza in us. We've all got some instincts that just, that aren't healthy that aren't true. So why don't we do this? Let's admit, number one, yeah, we do have some George Costanza in us. Unless you're a saint. Even saints have George Costanza in them. Of course, they're not perfect. So let's say, yeah, we got some George. 
Which one do you struggle most with? There's eight of them, these Beatitudes. They're in the bulletin. Take the bulletin home with you. Take a look at it tonight, before you go to bed, maybe at the dinner table, or maybe just this week. Do two a day or two a night. Be like, what the heck is he saying here? How could this be true? We know it's true, because he said it. So how do I make sense of this? Because my gut is like, ah, I don't know. I don't, don't, that that seems crazy talk. It's not. So what do I have to adjust in order for that to make sense? Which one of these eight do you say most to? Do you say no most to? Well, you want a happy life? You want a blessed life? Do the opposite. 